My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Woodbury. Welcome to the final episode of Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions 2022 season. We saved a great conversation for the finale. On this episode, I'm joined by Kid Congo Powers. Born Brian Tristan in La Puente, California, he eventually adopted the stage name, which appears on the cover of Some New Kind of Kick, his memoir, which documents his time in The Cramps, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and The Gun Club. That latter band he's credited for, uh, let's see, let's check the liner notes here. Excessive feedback, guitar and slide guitar, whirling whirlies, maracas, and ancient mutterings. Uh, but that's not all the book covers. Kid's story is a layer one, and in this book, uh, written with Chris Campion, he gets into all of it, including frank examinations of queer identity, struggles with addiction, and his connection to the late Jeffrey Lee Pierce whose dream visit inspired his 2020 Pink Monkey Birds psych epic, He Walked In, which I have written about for Aquarium Drunkard. At once hilarious, tender, and possessing an almost dreamlike spiritual quality, it's a great book, and it arrives alongside two different records, Summer, Forever, and Ever, the second album by Wolf Manhattan Project, his trio with Mick Collins of the Dirt Bombs and Gories and Bob Burt, formerly of Sonic Youth, and Kid Congo Powers and the Near Death Experience, live in St. Kilda, a live concert taped in Australia. Both will be out physically in 2023, but you can listen to them digitally now, um, and you should do so after, of course, you finish this conversation with me and Kid, a fellow Arizona dweller. Before we wrap this season up, one more plug for Aquarium Drunkard's Patreon. While we're on break, I'll be posting some bonus content up over there to tide you over uh, when it comes to transmissions until we launch the new season in early 2023. I love making the show and I love hearing from you all, so please do drop me an email, say hi, let me know what you like about the program, who you'd like to hear on future episodes, or anything else that you want to share. Making Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions is a huge treat for me. It means so much to me, and I'm so thankful for you listening. All right, it's been a tremendous season. Let's bring it to close with Kid Congo Powers. Thanks so much for listening.
Welcome to Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. We're joined by Kid Congo Powers. Congrats on this great new book, Kid. How does it feel uh, having it out in the world? Oh, it's pretty, feels pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of work, a uh, long time coming, uh, as they say. Um, and um, yeah, it's, not, it's, 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 a, it's uh, something very different from making a record, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you've got a couple of those, a couple new records out too, which is uh, yes. got to feel nice to combine a bunch of activity all at once. I guess I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? But yeah, I just just uh, it was good because the pandemic made it possible to uh, get a lot of work done. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. The book is a great read, and it's really, um, it's really honest and vulnerable, and. It's also very funny and poignant. You got like you really kind of hit all those sweet spots that you hope mm. for in a book like this. And I was really, I think on the back, right? Like Nick Cave calls it like bursting with good grace. And I feel like that's kind of like a nice way of thinking about it because it feels like there's a lot of acceptance and forgiveness and reflection in the book, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah that, 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 that can be, uh, that, that is, exactly like how it got written because i had been going so fast you know uh just doing stuff and i'm like a don't look back kind of person you know and um i just keep busy 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 i so you know it doesn't matter i'm always doing something and i was living in new york for like 12 years and and um there's certainly no time for reflection <laughs> in new <laughs> right, york right, um, right and when we moved me and my partner Ryan moved to uh, DC. I was like, oh, I can actually, you know, start to think about stuff, you know, and and, and look back, and I don't have to like be hustling so much, um, you know. But but I kept, you know, so I just that was like 2006 was about when I first started scribbling the first ideas out, and then um, yeah, kind of took my time <laughs> yeah. going forward, you know. It was a uh, it was a it was a long process. I kind of had to learn how to write too, and I actually went to writers' workshops and did different things, and um, you know, bounced a lot of ideas off other people I know who'd written books. And uh, so, yeah, so it went on and on, and they all assured me that it, there's no race to get it done, right? You know, you know right. and, and that it might even be better to take your time, you know. Um, and and uh and so i took my time yeah 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 it's something I, I i i feel like maybe it was a just about a year ago maybe a little 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 less than a year ago that i saw you in phoenix you played at the valley bar and mm -hmm. uh i hadn't been to a ton of show i mean just due to everything my show going has decreased some you know i still get out when i can but that show was just so so cool, and uh, I'm I'm kind of glad that we're speaking now this time of year because, uh, really, I wrote about the he walks in video for Aquarium Drunkard, you know, at sort of near this I guess near the start of the pandemic or early days of it. That song to me was such a helpful song, and to so to have the book sort of end with like a chapter that sort of picks up and expands on that that song i didn't in in the dream that you 
are addressing, you're talking about your your friend Jeffrey Lee Pierce, who you mm-hmm. describe in the book almost as like a sort of alter ego, a, a polar sort of mm-hmm. force in your in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just was really I was glad that we're talking now this time of year where we think about you know the veil being thin between the dream mm-hmm. dream world, you know, winter or the coming of winter. You're in, you're in Tucson now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys have been out there for a few years. Going on four years now, yeah, and um, yeah. So that's one of the reasons I liked Tucson because it was <laughs> I could feel the veil was thin. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not really, I felt it was kind of a magical place. It had a giant sky, and um, that is really good for one's imagination. I mean, I talked about going from New York, where you're really just crammed in and surrounded by tall buildings. And um, we've been in the East Coast, me and Ryan, for a long, many, many years. Yeah. And um, my in-laws live here. And so we came every Christmas time for years, every Christmas time we'd be in Tucson. And um, it just seemed like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. I I can. Yeah, when the the opportunity came up to do it. Sorry. And, um, And so, yeah, so... But uh, yeah, I find much magic about uh, about Tucson, you know, and and it's a place you can dream, and a place that feels, you know, um, sympathetic to 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 dreamers. Yeah, you know, no, in a, in a way, you know, and and that, especially living in New York, you know. If you talked about anything metaphysical, everyone was like, "Oh, rolling their eyes." And, yeah, <laughs> and like, just shut up, you know. <laughs> I, you know, like, give me the cold hard facts. Yeah, know? sure, um, sure, sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm not saying everyone, but many <laughs> and, uh, uh, at large. Uh, but but you know, I I knew L.A. and the Southwest to have a little more uh, leeway with such uh, things as spirits and uh, such flights of fancy. Really just yeah. feeling. Yeah. yeah, I mean that thing. Like in that in that in the song version of he walked in. No, I just don't. You know, I'm like saying I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a memory that's in my brain, but it makes it real. Whatever it is, it makes it real. You know, and it makes visitation from the astral plane real. You know, um, so that is really uh, a great part of living here is that I'm uh, a little more, it made me think about things like that happening. Yeah. It always, it always does me too being there specifically. I grew up halfway between Tucson and Phoenix in a town called (laughs) Coolidge, you know? So, um, you get that the farther South you go, it starts to feel more, uh, (laughs) you know, as it gets more and more remote, you know, you're kind of surrounded by those, like you said, open skies. That's such a, conducive thing but in in the book you were kind of on that sort of metaphysical tip in the book you write about the cramps and you know mm-hmm. who you were asked to join the cramps there was talk mm-hmm. of you having to cut off a finger luckily that didn't occur <laughs> um but uh you write that about your time in the cramps you say that the cramps believed they were a magical entity you know they mm-hmm. believed in psychic phenomena ghosts and spirits mm-hmm. And that any true nonconformist was viewed as like a magical person to them. Uh, yes. You're talking about that that essence of things, and I wonder if, as I thought about the book, right, if there's any thread that connects 
gun club to the cramps to the bad seeds it's that like kind of emphasis on that kind of essence you know did the book allow you to reflect on the thread that kind of connects all of your your mini uh, collaborations well yeah definitely so i think that all of the collaborate people jeffrey lee pierce let's say and lux and ivy and the cramps and nick cave and the people in the bad seeds at the time all um and nick in particular you know all people that were uh visionaries you know yeah they all had a very strong vision they're all very sure about it um on all very protective of of it yeah yeah so there was not going to be any pandering they all knew they were um you know gifted you know if you want to say the word yeah but uh, th but they all were aware of it. I was aware of it, you know, and I was like, oh, I want to be near that, you know. Um, and things, um, yeah, so that was the thing is I think people with a strong vision, you know, um, have visions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> In general, they're people who are, use their imagination and use feelings and use, you know, it's, to paint their pictures, yeah. It's that thing you're talking about about making it real, right? Like if even if 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 you if you're in your dream world and you're you know whatever, if you're believing in it enough, it's you're experiencing it. And I mm -hmm. think that like in terms of the groups that you're talking about, the many groups you've been in, especially that night I saw you all at Valley Bar, I just I felt a sense of that sort of like we're making this mm -hmm. space real you know we're create we're, we're projecting something out into the to the room and that to me that's such a kind of a magical thing and i think that especially because if i tell me please correct me if i'm wrong as a as a guitarist you're not a theory guy you're not music theory it's all it's it's all feel it's all <laughs> no theory yeah i have no theory about it <laughs> But when it's you, yeah, all, but all Id, yes. yeah, and, but that that's so magical when you're on stage, you know, it comes across, uh, and and it feels so, you know, channeled almost in a way. Yeah, well, that that is, it. and I think that's another thing that all the people in those groups are were all possessed by something, a spirit uh, or something that made them be who they are, right, and, right, so, and. Also, you know, they all had an interest in creating um, creating a world, you know, and and you know, it's like it's a whole it's a whole world when you think about the cramps, and it's a whole world, you know. Nick Cave is definitely a, a whole world, and, right? Yeah, and and these are and the Gun Club as well, you know, and they, and it's not uh, it's not it's not a you know these they have a popular well now Nick Cave is big but um but sure. for many years it was merely um what people call cult fame sure so it's about the word cult you know <laughs> it, it's kind of it's kind of the fame of people who really believe in it you know that's right widespread it's, it's not for everyone it's not you know um it is cult fame and the people are devoted you know yeah to to, to the music but when I was going back to what you were saying about playing in the space, you know, I think all, and all these bands, at least when I 
within them were based on the alchemy of the people playing, you know, yeah. it, was, it was about, I was never hired. I was never auditioned to be in a band. I never, you know, did anything to be in a band except have people say like, Oh, you're the person who should be in this band. Right. You know, Right. And for whatever reason that was, you know, but now as a band leader, you know, um, and if I was, I always say to God, I please forgive me band leaders of the past <laughs> for bands I've been in because boy, you know, yeah, that's a whole thing. But anyway, um, uh, it's a whole other kettle of fish <laughs> to me, the side guy, but, um, but the, um, but like for me and my group, and I have many long standing people, 10 years or more in the band, um, there, it is alchemy. And I can't think of another, again, no auditions, no this, no that. It was like, oh, you're the right person or the right person fell in. Yeah. And, and, you know, don't mess with the alchemy once it's there, you know? Yeah. And then and I found that when people leave the group and then you find someone else, you know, you have to find the next uh, element that comes in that create helps create the whole thing. But, um, but you know, and, and the band becomes its own beast, you know, it becomes its own thing. And, and, and I no longer have control of, of this band. <laughs> yeah, you're just it's on the ride. You're on the gonna, ride. It's gonna do what it's going to do. Yeah, and and luckily it's still doing things <laughs> we like doing. Yeah, um, you know, just like things like like that. He walked in. You know, it was very out of uh, out of our uh, expected uh, comfort zone of of you know of garage rocky rock, you know, we're always pretty arty and we've been very experimental always, but, um, but, you know, that was just like, Oh man, a 14 minute song. That's long. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, that is, that's some hippie shit, you know, and, um, <laughs> we're, we're not hippies, uh, but, um, but it's, uh, also, but it was like, if you don't, it's the way it came out. So we, that's what we, had and and also it 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 you know you have to spread your wings you know you, or else yeah or else things gonna happen and you just have to uh this is what i also learned from those bands you know they like from the leaders like the cramps in the cave and and jeffrey lee pierce is that yeah you can change you you know people are with you and they're going to want to change with you and they're happy when you change, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you can't fear that, Oh, I have to stay in this one box. You know, the gun club was a very good example of that. You know, we, anytime someone tried to pinpoint what we were like a cow punk or goth rock or whatever, whatever labels people put on us, we were like, oh, let's go the other way. You got it. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. Re it's reactive in that way. You know, it's funny thinking about what you're saying, because I I think about the way, you know, uh, he walked in being, let's say, that's kind of on the hippie hippie side of things, because it is. It's a psychedelic, you know, it's it's a whole psychedelic mm -hmm. journey. You know, you could I think I, I hear some elements of maybe beef heart or, you know, but, yeah. you know, stuff that when I think about it in a certain way, guys like Beefheart were sort of, they're, 
informing the punk spirit in a way that is very like it's a continu- it perform it it creates that thread that connects the counterculture from yes counterculture is y- yeah thing. you know and so i think by the time you get there and then to see your sort of journey it's like he walked in almost feels like i know you're you're a big fan of the midnighters you know mm-hmm. um that Chican- the chicano group yeah. from whittier i, yeah. I think that yeah, East LA, exactly. I think Dreaming Casually, their song, that, that's one of my like top songs, you know? Yeah, it creates beautiful. this whole cosmic atmosphere. It's it's psychedelic in its own way, but yeah. but also those players aren't refined. They're kind of rough, you know? It's still mm-hmm. got that. So it's like funny to hear you describing all this stuff because the journey from the punk movement and the whatever you said, <laughs> cowpunk psychobilly whatever genre you want to throw your you know garage rock it's funny to hear it just manifest in all these different ways to the point where on the new um the new wolf manhattan project that you're doing you know you've got the first song is an ode to uh who is it uh andrea true andrea true (laughs) disco Uh, more 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 (laughs) yeah so i'm familiar with more 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 i wasn't as familiar i wasn't familiar with her filmography uh yes as much uh uh, the camera's rolling yeah but it's it's, it seems like something we might i might have to figure it out later you know we'll investigate but um you know it's funny were you in, in the in the intro to the book john savage sort of writes about a rejection of disco in on the sort of grounds of it being maybe sort of like a stereotypical expression of queer identity. Um, mm-hmm. Were you into disco though as well? I mean, were I you? I love disco. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's it's you it, know, uh, well, you know, when disco came in, that was like kind of a little uh, interlude, which uh, before punk happened. You know, real punk. You know, yeah. The, final say on punk um, <laughs> uh, yeah like this is punk not something like punk because uh, there's like a lot of bridges there between glam rock and punk um, but um if you're a nerd like i am and uh i am yes yes <laughs> and um so disco came you were starting to hear disco at like rodney's english disc at rodney bingenheimer's english disco the glam rock club yeah. you know started hearing uh shame 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 and and uh and uh and uh, you know get dancing by discotheques and the sex it's like that was it was funny and humorous and and fit in a disco but you know at the time you didn't know that was going to be a uh, giant boom thing that was going to happen and and it was a place you know uh disco was adopted by a queer culture and queer people that first made it happen you know uh at least where where i was coming from in la in my my little work sub world um and so the disco was a place to go if you were a queer kid you know to hang out and you know the music was pretty good and it was different it was a different music at that time it was something you know you hadn't heard before yeah and and um and so then that and people dressed up it was all the all the elements you know a world was created you know a world and a language was created um but um 
you know, the rock, the rock, the call of rock and roll was uh, was a little stronger for me. And um, sure, right, right, and uh, and, uh, and then punk rock started to happen around then, and and, and um, we started hearing about people like Patti Smith and the Ramones and Paraubu and you know these these kind of proto punk things that before the British and uh, you know before the Sex Pistols and. Um, the damned um for us what we heard but you know there was like a lot of hard rock that was you know stooges mc5 influence stuff that a lot of the glam kids went to after glam stopped you know and um and that included you know bands like the dogs and uh the imperial dogs a lot of dog names and (laughs) um and um the runaways really the runaways and uh the motels at the time were in that you know uh, in that world world yeah yeah they were the they were the scroungy street level uh world you know that was the kind of stooges mc5e uh fans could get into you know yeah it's it's funny again where it's the, we're talking about that like sort of that lineage of the counterculture. It's so fascinating, right? Cuz you think about yeah. like the MC5 were uh, uh, hippie-ish in one sense, right? You know, in, in the 60s. Radical yeah. pol- radical politics. They were, they were the radical, they were the re- revolutionaries. Yeah, yes. they were the revolutionaries, you know, but the music is creating the red rock that, you know, punk rock will adopt. And then you hear sure. the Stooges and you know, it's uh, to me like the forever. It's always the doors get clowned on by all the music critics, mm. you know, because yeah. Jim Morrison's a buffoon or whatever. And don't get me wrong, he kind of he is, but yeah, so are so are a lot of these rock singers, right? Oh, a lot of them were, yeah. <laughs> so were the MC Five really revolutionary? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so you, so you hear like you hear some stuff on those Stooges records that sounds pretty clear that they liked the doors, you know? So that's sort yeah. of like the line between hippie and proto-punk gets real fuzzy at times. Yeah. Just like the line between, I, I remember, I wrote about, uh, it was a reissue, maybe it was 2015, so much longer ago than it feels like, um, about that that group Smokey. Uh, they were kind of like a, Randy Rhodes was in the group early oh, on. Oh, Smokey, you know, uh, John leather, Con- leather. John Condon, yeah, Leather. Um, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Big, big at Rodney's English Disco. I have the 45. Well, I still have the 45. Great, great. Uh, S&M Records. S&M <laughs> Records, like a private press, their own their own kind of little yeah, label, you know. That was so proto-punk. They well, just, it's it's proto it's yeah. it's proto punk, and then there's some sides that are on the disco uh, sort of axis, yeah. and then there's some almost fuzzy new wave, but real almost dream poppy. Anyway, great group, yeah. but perfect example of the way all these sort of things and, and outwardly queer. Oh, yeah. and outwardly queer at a time where uh, where even <laughs> even David Bowie, you know, would always sort of. That's always the right. thing you'd hear is like, you know, David Bowie obviously represented a queer identity, but then he would sometimes come on yeah. way more straight than other times. You know, it's like, it's a weird, it's, yeah, how do you, but Bowie was yeah. huge to you, right? What? what? Bowie was like a, was a big deal to you. Oh, well. yeah. I think any kid in that time, any queer kid, especially in that time, or any misfit kid will tell you that David Bowie was a, a complete liberation yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and gave you permission to uh 
be weird and also to identify with an alien, perhaps a rock star alien, you know, and um, and that's what I think a lot of uh, ad- going through adolescence. That's what you feel like, you know, yeah, yeah. disconnected with people. You start to say, like, I'm not like everyone else. Uh, your body is weird and you're growing and in weird ways and you're growing hair and getting hormones <laughs> and yeah. all kinds of weird shit is happening. You know, at the same time, you know, you're for me, I started young, you know, uh, you know, you're discovering drugs and alcohol and, yeah. and sex and different things. And it's all strange because you don't have any reference, you know, and David Bowie gave you a reference yeah. for that, or at least an analogy for it, you know, yeah. And it was incredibly liberating to a whole generation of, of weird kids, you know, of young kids who were looking for that, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, and anyone from John Savage to uh, anyone will tell you that, that, you know, anyone in the fall will tell you, you know, <laughs> that, that that was a, a, a moment that was, you know, I read about that yeah, in Steve Hanley's book about the fall, the bass player from the fall, his amazing book about the fall, you know, I uh, haven't read it yet. I'll have to check that. Oh out. yeah. It's called the big mid big midweek. And it's the definitive word on the fall. Cause he was there yeah. the whole time and he's the quiet one. <laughs> and he, he knew he, Taking he, and notes. He, was there, he was there from, well, almost, you know, from the beginning, <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to the very last show. And so that, that of that fall, Correct. you know, yeah. of that, that era, but um, yeah, it's amazing. But he talks about going to see David Bowie and just, it was a game changer for everyone at that age and that juncture in their life. Did you yeah. did you follow Bowie through uh, a lot of his career? I mean, I, I think the late career stuff is uh, uh, is kind of, is kind of mind blowing. Oh, his his final great. run, yeah, it's a it's a fine example of growing old and being relevant and uh, interested and interesting. You know, um, yes, yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, of course I followed everything and I didn't like some, you know, but that's fair over 40 years of making records. Well, of course, right? I mean, yeah. It's quite fair to say you don't agree with something. You can agree to disagree. And, but most, most, I think more than not. And I think I need to revisit some of those things I poo pooed and see if there's something there, you know. That, hap- um, that happens to me all the time. You, you, you hear a thing and you go, okay, cool, but not really my vibe right now. And then yeah. 10 years later, you go back and you're like, what are you talking about? It's, it's, exactly. it's amazing, you know, like, uh, yeah, that's 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 great. I loved throughout the book the way you would drop in these little reference points, you know, just like, hey, there was this one T-Bone Burnett record that we were listening to that we really thought was, you know, was great. And I went back and checked that out. And he's got one song with Stan Lynch on that record from mm. the Heartbreakers that I was like, Jesus, this is incredible. So I love that yeah. you dropped those those record nerd nods throughout the whole book. You know, that yeah. was really that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, I I was really worried um, a lot when writing it that I was like, oh, I don't want this just to become a book of lists, you know, a right. list of right. this and that, and this is who I met, and this is, 
who you know what record i heard and this is and here's every song on that album you know right um and and, and so often i i've read uh, some uh rock memoirs that i'm like okay but let's hear about what what you really think that's <laughs> you right know? that's right and not what you did and what you who you you know but like how did you feel when you heard that you know all of that those kind of questions you know a lot of questioning of of what um and i and i was very conscious of that to not make it a, a book that just read like a bunch of lists but still the facts are that i listened to a lot of music and and i was influenced by many things like boom 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 where, Right. Uh, you know, from teenager onwards, you know, moving really fast day to day, you know, and um, meeting a lot of people and all of them colorful characters, you know, I mean, it was good. I mean, I, I was happy at the end. I was like, wow, I only wrote about people I love, yeah. <laughs> you know, I managed not to write about people I hated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, yeah, it, you know, but um but also not um not i don't know i just think i was moving forward so fast as a teenager and sure. not the fact that people i didn't like just were not important <laughs> you know you just and separated and moved to write about you know um and uh yeah like it free publicity anyway and, uh, <laughs> yeah but, exactly uh, but um yeah, so it was it was good at the end. I was like, oh God, you know, and there's so that's the only thing with writing a book. It has to be the main points. And um like there's so many and so much more. Yeah, I could have written. Yeah, but of course we can't have a book that's eight thousand pages long, you know. We can, but yeah. It might be uh, it might not be very interesting for people. <laughs> I uh, I've yeah. Yeah, I think the book ends in the late '90s, right? So I mean, you could you could do it. Seven. You, you could yeah. you could do a you could do a sequel, you know, uh, some we'll other some other kind of kick. You'll just make it yes. the, the kick the kick verse. <laughs> and then it got really boring. Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and, as an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with. And uh, DistroKid makes that easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and, of course, add a credit card to purchase album extras. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. It's such a fun, it's such a fun book though. And I do love, uh, you know, the way you write about the Ramones is really evocative. Mm. The Ramones are one of those bands that when I got into, 
playing, you know, music myself and trying to to make songs, you know. The Ramones were like that's the the key. You you can do pretty good just doing Ramones impressions, you know what I mean? Because the yeah. chord structures are simple. You figure out a great way with like melody, but melody. Yeah. you call them, uh, I think, the smartest dumb rock band ever, and, <laughs> and, and that's that's exactly it because it's an alchemy, right? Of just like exactly. of of these. I t- we, we long ago uh, on a quarter. Actually, drum, it's actually high art, really. No, it is right. So, high concept, high art. So yeah. when when I talked with uh, years ago, I spoke with Craig Leon. Um, <laughs> you know, and we mostly were talking about suicide, but then I started talking about the Ramones, and he was like, "Dude, same." same concept same conceptual level you know like you gotta and it really opened the it was a skeleton key for me in terms of recognizing Mm -hmm. what i love so much about those two particular groups in terms of this Mm -hmm. brutalist structure of keeping these elements stark Mm -hmm. granted there are some ramon songs produced by dave stewart that i really love that aren't quite as sparse but still you know mostly straight ahead what was it like discovering that band i mean were they when you heard it what what did it feel like i lost my mind yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) lost my mind first i saw a picture of them and i knew this was i just knew this group is going to be amazing I don't know. I just saw a picture of them in a scene magazine when they were brand new, you know, playing at CBGB or something. And I was like, this has to be amazing. And, and the way people it was described was made it sound amazing. And there was a, a big enthusiasm for them that sounded amazing, but I hadn't, they didn't have records. He'd never heard them. Right. Uh, And there was no internet or YouTube or anything. So, um, (laughs) So you had to wait till the record came out. And I just thought, oh my God, this is going to be great. And I better get, get in line early because it's going to sell out immediately here in La Puente, California. And, uh, you know, of course, I was the only person waiting in line. And, um, and, and the store had like three copies. So, you know, yeah. Uh, but, so, but, I was, uh, but I was there to get it. And I got it home and I would just I went lost my mind and thought this is everything I could, dreamed it could be better, even better, you know, the, the smartest, dumb, dumbest band. <laughs> you know, it's, it's <laughs> now about the energy level, the streamlinedness. I recognized the, the concept of it right away. You know, they were fully formed, you know, concept and idea, you know. And and that kind of stuff is super immediate and 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 I, you know, when they did come to play, you know, it was amazing, of course. And uh, I found a lot of like-minded people. Sure, and, uh, sure. That were following them to every gig, and they played every hole in the wall several times a year in in L.A. when that first record, first two albums came out, and um, and the same people were following them around to every every show and every suburb and up up to san francisco you know every the same people and um and that became a community of people and that's i started a fanzine a fan club and because i wanted to keep in touch with these people right and they all wanted to keep in touch with each other in and unite in our ramones fandom and 
And that became a super enduring uh, community that actually today there were people from the Ramones fan club at my book launch in LA, you know. Wow. Right. That have remained friends of mine, you know. And uh, in our, you know, we were, we were the, you know, the, the uber nerdy fans, you know. And, and I love remained, that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, uh, uh, again, writing about the cramps, when you, you talk about how you joined, you had to kind of put together your look, because obviously it was a, it, not just a sonic identity, but a visual and sartorial mm-hmm. one as well. Um, but you talked about how you were a huge fan of 60s girl groups like the Ronettes and the Shangri-Las. Mm-hmm. Um, along with a lot of the original punk punk rockers, there was a nostalgia for that music. But the Ramones, to me... The girl group qualities are are pretty apparent, right? Did you feel like you sensed that even then, as a as a, a first as a new listener oh, to the group? As a listener, yes, because yeah. I was already I already liked old music then. I right. mean, I grew up with sixties music with my sisters, and uh, right, and I knew all of that, and I was well aware of uh, the uh, the link between. Uh, the, the cholas in my neighborhood and the, you know, the Mexican gang girls and um, and and those, their East Coast counterparts, you know, from a decade before. Right. You know, right. It was it was apparent, like, oh, these are the cool bad girls, you know, yeah. and and yeah. they are that, and they are the cool ones <laughs> for sure. Dangerous, sexy, yeah, and have their look together, and you know, they're gonna hold their own with the guys and you know they're not yeah and so it was a yeah yeah like that willie deville and his girlfriend toots (laughs) wow yeah right uh, you really uh but yeah and like you know the girl the girls are remote sing about and stuff and you know little a little misogynist but um but fun. they were it was in fun and you got what they were talking about like they, your loud mouth baby you better shut it up yeah no <laughs> you know, totally you know it's just it's just like okay because these are tough girls and actually they're not taking the guy's shit you know you know and i loved all of that and the whole drama of the shangri-las or ronettes that were uh even if it's unrequited love they were still going to go wait until the the rivers run dry and the mountains crawl, fall into the <laughs> sea. You know, yeah. it's going to be there, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that kind of stuff, you know, is still fodder for my, uh, inspiration for songs, you know? Yeah. I love, I love, I love that. You know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Alan Vega and, uh, so obviously in, in 1983 on Saturn strip, he's got a song, uh, titled for you kid congo um what kind of run-ins had you had with him prior to that song you being know, recorded? i don't think i don't think any really except yeah. like band at the shows but and about the records but i think it was just i think he just liked the sound of the words well yeah because it was bongo really? bongo i think is, yeah. the, is the lyric right so but he, he yeah he yeah, but he's hip, and I actually I'm friends with his wife, Liz Lemaire. She's she's been a, yeah here on the podcast. She's been on. Oh she's yeah, great. she's amazing. I love Liz so much, and her record is amazing. Her new album is incredible. Yeah. And, um, 
I love her so much. But she said, like, oh, no, Alan was a big fan. He knew exactly who you were. And, and yeah, so it was good. And, um, and I, uh, I just, uh, we did it uh, when Alan Vega passed away. They did it in New York. I, I just, a couple of years in a row, they did uh, uh, tributes, you know, to yeah. him, where a bunch of people come and sing Alan Vega suicide songs. And, um, and I played in the Kid Congo. Actually, I met uh, Say Sue Coleman, who uh, who uh, played drums on it. And he came and played drums when we played. It was really fun. But these people said, oh, yeah, Alan was aware of you. He loved the cramps and he loved, you know. So I think, he, you know, it was word association more than tribute. But, but, uh, but I'll take the, I'll take it as tribute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's so fascinating. I couldn't be prouder. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's cool. And it's, he's somebody who I thought a lot, you've mentioned multiple times that as an artist, typically you're you're not looking back. You're not a return, you know, naval, like gazing at the past, kind of like focused on that. Because that happens sometimes with artists, you know, and they just become sure. just revival acts or whatever. And that's, whatever it can be great but but it's cooler more interesting to me when somebody keeps moving but mm -hmm. alan is somebody who always comes to mind to me because he you know uh i, I when i spoke with ben vaughn who'd worked with him the guitarist oh, yeah. you know he's like yeah alan would just like he'd make paintings and he'd basically toss them out because he just didn't even he didn't care what happened after he was done with his creating you know he had to keep yeah. moving keep creating i think right. about the way that that drive is so is so cool and to me it's no wonder the punks resonated with that vibe and no wonder that that has kind of continued on but yeah that's incredible yeah. to have well, your... i think it's very beatnik culture it's becoming very beatnik. Sure. it's very much the beats of both who are also just like keep moving you know yep throw it out there i'm on the road i'm Allen ginsburg and i'm howling i'm doing the stuff i'm hanging right. out with young people and i'm doing what needs to be done right now yep. it's all about doing what needs to be done right now you know and um and i think that those artists were have been very inspiring to me you you know um and so, you know, I try to do that. I just try to keep busy. And yeah, the reflection, I mean, this is probably some stupid punk rock ethos I have, you know, um, about it. But I also, yeah, just not to become complacent, you know, and rest on your laurels and uh, do things like that. So I'm always making stuff, you know, and sometimes it hits with people and sometimes it's a complete flop, you know, um, and it's never a complete flop because you liked doing it. Yeah. So, but right. sometimes, you know, thousands of people hear it and then sometimes only hundreds of people hear it, you know, and, yeah. and maybe, yeah. So it doesn't really matter to me, you know, it's nice. Like right now with the book, it's getting a lot of attention and stuff. And I'm, I'm liking it, yeah. but, but, uh, but, I'll, but I guess uh, also with music, it's something I, w I would love to reach the widest audience. So it's just like, you know, and I, I come to Nick Cave again, you know, he's doing it on his terms. He's making the music he wants to make, you know, and it's like going to a very wide audience. And uh, so, you know, I can, I can, you know, 
I would enjoy that if it happened and I enjoy it if it doesn't happen. Sure. Yeah. And enough people that enjoy it. So I'm in good standing. (laughs) You know, I'm in a good place for myself. If just a couple people like it or if the people I'm playing with like it, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a, it's been so much fun talking with you before I let you go because I know you're going to have to get going soon. I did want to touch on something that very near the end of the book, you write a little bit about Jeffrey Lee Pierce and, mm. um, and you write about how uh, he was drawn to the dark and the light. The book is a lot of fun to read, but there are, of course, moments of heavy darkness and there's some suffering you know there is a you know it's clear that you're living a life right and there's as above so below there's like the highs and there's the and there's the lows and there's the highs in the middle of the lows and the lows in the middle of the highs it's a weird thing but something i just thought you know if 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 i could just ask you to reflect on that idea that you know in the art that you're drawn to and the art that you make that it's important to bring a sense of both the the dark and the light, you know, a sort of yeah. a, find some weird, not maybe not balance, but or maybe balance. I don't know what 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 do you call that thing that you're doing there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It's, it's again. I, I keep using the word alchemy, you know, yeah. uh, of um, of what 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 is it when you mix these things? You know, like and you know, I'm writing about a lifetime or first part of a lifetime, and you know, and that is you know. That is all of that. Yeah, to do the the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know. And um, and it's the one thing about when we started making music and the literature we like or the music we like, you know, it is reflective of the way people feel. And so you feel happy sometimes, and you feel like laughing sometimes, and you feel sad sometimes, and you feel devastated other times, you know, or you're grieving or whatever. Um, you know, I tend to be in my music more celebratory, you know. I use a lot of uh, dead people, you know. I like paying tribute, you know, yeah. you know yeah. to to people who I think are magical beings, you know. It's funny, Jerry Lee Lewis just died. And I have a song called Killer Diller, which is a dream I had that Phyllis Diller, I said, what if the what if the killer was really Phyllis Diller? Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I like that. I, I just read a Hellfire, uh, Nick Tosh's uh, biography. Which ter- is terrifying. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Wow, what a book. And what a story, but you know, and the way he's written it, like almost Faulkner-esque, you know. Yeah. And um and it's uh so I was just like, I don't know why Phyllis Stiller was in there. I <laughs> but anyway, that. so I do a lot of that. Sue Sue, Susan Terrell. When Susan Terrell passed away, I thought, oh my God, how can she be gone? Yeah. What a spirit and what an individual person. I have to write a song. You know, these songs just are kind of automatic. Chandelier. Chandelier, who I didn't I didn't know Chandelier until yeah. I started, you know, uh well, I saw I learned about him in a documentary, but also your yeah. song and 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 the EP. So it's great, you know. Yeah, okay, kind of uh turn uh, people on. Carry yeah. their carry their spirit, their legacy. Yeah, exactly. I was like, these are special people that are like that 
that I don't know people will know because it's obtuse because it's a song, but but also but but for me, you know, it's like oh, I have to capture his essence before it's gone, and that was the same with like Susie. It was like oh my god, they're gone. Like we have to write something has to happen, some tribute has to happen. You know, I, that was the only way I could think of dealing with it. You know, um, or make it some sense. You know, right. That, and and uh, and so you know those songs are are great you know and I love playing them because it makes me think of these people you know right and, yeah so uh, so that 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 somehow that essence of people is what is interesting I found that's what's the interesting part of like oh what are these parts of this person you know and, and what things are are what things about them are interesting to me or that I find lovely or, or touching yeah. or whatever, you know, yeah. or hilarious or whatever, right. you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, that comes a lot, but, and, but, you know, but yeah, the darkness and the light, you know, so that's somehow making light out of a dark situation if it is dark, you know, uh, but, um, also, but with, you know, Jeffrey looked at the underbelly of things, you know, Jeffrey, you know, we're not people that don't have pain and we don't, we're not people that don't uh, know other people who don't have pain, you know, and, uh, but that is, I like mixing the, uh, the light and the dark, the ridiculous with the sublime, the sacred with the profane, all of these opposites are able to come together in art and music and stuff and so why not in a book <laughs> yeah well beautifully yeah. said kid thank you so much for taking the time to hang out it's been an absolute pleasure it's great to talk to you yeah and uh, thank you for all the good support you've given oh. my work well i appreciate your work very much and i'll publicly shout out my friend mike durham from the french girls who turned me on to your pink monkey oh. bird uh re recordings back when those first started coming out so, yeah <laughs> yeah all right well kid have a great rest of your day thanks so much hey thank you thanks jason all right we'll be well see i'll see you down in tucson sometime will do all right be well bye, bye. Thanks so much for listening to Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. You can support this podcast by checking out our Patreon page. Your support helps us keep making the show. And we'd love it if you left a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you listen so you don't miss any new episodes. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I write, host, and produce transmissions. Our audio is edited by Andrew Horton, and the show's executive produced by Justin Gage. Aquarium Drunkard's founder. 
Don't miss his Aquarium Drunkard show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. PST on Sirius XMU. We are part of the TalkHouse Podcast Network, so be sure to check that out too for access to more great programs. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back in early 2023. Keep your eyes on the Aquarium Drunkard Patreon for more info. And be sure to check out the bonus content we'll be sharing over the next couple of months. I'm Jason Woodbury. Thanks so much for listening. This season of Transmissions is concluded.